The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman. We're talking Tiger. We're talking Charlie. We're talking PNC Championship. And joining me to do just that, Mark Immelman is here. Mark, good to see you. How's it, boys? How are we all doing? Hey, uh, quickly, before we get into it, I was almost in your neck of the woods there for the last couple of days, Greg. Um, Oh, yeah? New York City for a couple of days. Man, I love that place. Anyway, I, I've considered moving to the Northeast, but then it was frigid last night when we came. <laughs> I'm like, nah, I'll stick in the South. <laughs> too, much, too much snow in the Northeast. Greg Ducharme yeah. is here. Greg, have you been shoveling this year? How's it been so far? No, no, okay. we have not. Uh, nothing more than a flurry so far. So no shoveling yet. Uh, I can't wait to shovel though. I like, yeah. I, I really, I spent some years traveling back to Florida and up to the Northeast. And I realized I love, I love the seasons. I love the winter time. I love the snow. It makes me feel tough. So I like it. <laughs> I can't wait to shovel is probably not a quote that uh, most people utter, but you're going to get that here on the first cut. That's where you're going to find that. Uh, we're going to get to first. Right. We're going to get to Tiger. We're going to get to the PNC championship. Mark, as our inner, as our resident international, uh, yeah. did you catch any of the World Cup final today? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I have to admit um, that I might have skipped church to, uh, <laughs> to watch the World Cup. Wow. Final. How about that? Well, yeah, wow. I, mean, look, I mean, look, it, it's a big deal. Um, it's obviously people know it's a big deal over here. But if you go to the rest of the world and the Soccer World Cup is on, I mean, people stop work for this thing. And when you got two powerhouses like Argentina and uh, France going at it, and look, it looked like it almost became a yawner for a while. But then, golly, I mean, you almost hated to see somebody lose. So, yeah, I, I watched it and I was riveted, my wife and I both. It, it it gets to the point, Greg, where it's easy to be a prisoner of the moment. Obviously, it just just happened a couple of hours ago. But when you start thinking about the scale of the of the World Cup final, uh, the personalities and teams that were involved, Lionel Messi going for his first World Cup, France trying to go back to back, for that game to play out as it did, a great uh, that could be one of the greatest games of all time, like of any sport, like of all time. When you start thinking about just the sheer scale of that match yeah it's really it's hard to imagine it paints a picture of the global audience watching um and it's really uh, unlike anything else even the olympics it, it you don't get that kind of 
um, audience on a single event. Now, I'm not a big soccer guy. Of course, I tuned in for a little bit, um, but it's definitely not my forte. But uh, even I appreciate what that means on a global scale. I mean, these guys put so much into it and, and they're playing for a lot of things throughout the year. Uh, they're playing on their own private teams and uh, their their own clubs and playing for their own championships. But you don't get a lot of opportunities to win a World Cup like Messi and, and all those guys. So it, it's it's an incredible event. Yeah. And I got to tell you, look, soccer, football is huge in Africa. Very, very big in South Africa. Um, um but in college, I lived with three Argentinian roommates, and they are rabid about soccer, okay? And for the longest time, they didn't win World Cups, and you could see the the pain that they'd sort of deal with when it came to soccer. There was this love thing, and you felt like they were let down all of the time, kind of like being a Falcons fan in a way, I guess. Anyway, um, I, I watched it today, and in many respects, I was happy um, for Argentina, because it's just so meaningful. But then I watch Mbappe, who scores a hat-trick oh in the World Cup final. I mean, I want to know from you, Rick, what the odds are on one guy scoring a World Cup final hat-trick and then not winning the World Cup. Well, huh? I'll tell you what. Uh, the, the odds for him to score a hat-trick, if you went to a sports book, were 50 to 1, but it, which means it was probably much longer than that because that's only the odds that sports books are going to give you. And and, I mean, that's like a hole-in-one bet, I feel like. Yes, correct. The yeah. hole-in-one odds are always horrible. So you, that, that's they're bad odds, but then to throw in the fact that they don't actually win is like uh, it's crazy. It's gonna be it's gonna be one that like gets referenced in in record books for a while. Well, certainly, and then then look, he wins the golden boot right for the the, yeah. the best soccer player of the tournaments. And I'm sort of wondering now because they obviously I don't think they're celebrating, but they're having you know team time or they might be asleep or whatever it is. But then you go back to France. He's an icon. The guy he can sign his own checks now. <laughs> All right. And then you say to him, "Would you trade that golden boot for the World Cup?" Uh, I, I, I'd be interested to ask him that question one day. Uh, I think that answer is yes. Now yeah. I saw a lot of Twitter crowning Lionel Messi the goat after Argentina accomplished the victory today. So from one goat of Messi to another in Tiger Woods, we turn to the PNC Championship. But uh, we got to start at the top of the leaderboard, gentlemen. That's that's what we do, and it's not the Woods team, it's not the Thomas team, it's not Team Daily. It's Team Singh, Greg, and VJ uh, with Sun Cass, who has they, they've come in second in this event countless times, go 59-59 to get the job done in Florida. Yeah, uh, pretty cool scorecard to put up there. Um, but a couple things about them really impressed me. You know, just watching the event, you could kind of sense that they were the they were the team. Because of where they were on the leaderboard, the Thomases had kind of stalled out a little bit. The dailies were too far ahead. And you're looking at this and it's like, okay, well, the Sings are right there and they got the most holes to play. So I think they're probably the team to beat. And then it started to get a little nervy. Uh, you know, Cass had a couple of putts. He, he kind of lost his speed control, although he's got a great golf swing. He, yeah, he hit some so high quality shots. Um, the one on the on the early par five, the first par five on the back nine from like 250, he just stuffed it in there. That was a sweet shot. Um, and then VJ, of course, is so fun to watch swing. Uh, and 
it, it highlights the the joy of watching this event because VJ is a guy when I first started playing, I admired his golf swing so much. I admired his tempo and uh, he was a guy I'd try to copy in a way. And then, and, and when you look at the teams and you see, okay, well, VJ is about 60. Uh, John Daly and a little John Daly, as they used to call him, well, they have a division one player and a, a guy who who's hurt but can still play. So that's a really strong team. The Thomases you expect to be up there. But there are some there are some teams that you don't really expect to be up there. And the Sings are as good as they've been. You don't really think of them at the beginning of the event as as a a, a favorite. And here they are competing all the way to the end and winning by two. So I, I just I thought it was so cool to see how all these teams are able to compete and play well, even though the the variance on paper looks to be so large. Uh, it just it, it just speaks to the the unique aspect that the game of golf is. Yeah, a lot of it to me is just like most tournaments. You know, you could sort of look at the 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 form guide, and I, I don't know what the odds were before the event, but you'd have your resounding favorites, right? And and this the things are good, but it just seemed like they ham and egged it so well. And uh, like you point out that hybrid that he hit into the par five cast that is um that was majestic and it just looked like he had a good one when vj didn't and when he missed a putt vj made and they did what you kind of have to do under that format um but I, to me the my takeaway rick was just you've heard the cliche the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree <laughs> well i'm um, look tiger and charlie it's like they cut from the same cloth um but then you watch golf swings to build on greg's points Cass has got that VJ sort of rhythm, and he's a big guy too. I mean, I remember years of throwback. You guys know I've had multiple jobs. Well, when VJ came out on tour, I was with IMG, and I was his agent over in South Africa. Took him to the emergency room, all sorts of stuff. And then shortly thereafter, has little Cass, who I still remember being like this big. Now the guy, I see him, and he's like six foot four and gigantic. So just to watch him swing the club just like his dad and sort of have the same gait, I was like, wow, this – in so many respects, you speak to kids of legends, and it's the legend casts this long shadow, right? But but it's got to be such a blessing to be a son or a daughter of someone like that, because just what you learn has got to be unbelievable. Sort of even in uh, even in passing, what you can learn and, and sort of glean from them. Uh, the things were eighteen to one, middle middle of the road, the ninth shortest odds before the event started. So odds makers had them right in the middle of the pack. They come out, go fifty nine, uh, fifty nine. As we discussed, Greg, VJ, we talk a lot about longevity, and we usually, you know, we save it for Phil and some of these other guys. But VJ is basically in a class by himself of winning after age forty, uh, continuing to play well onto the Champions Tour. Obviously, this is not your full field normal event, but he had a lot of other opportunities. I think this was his 16th appearance to get the job done at the PNC Championship. Finally gets it done. Him, Bernard Longer, Phil Mickelson. These guys are aging like fine wine. Yeah, it's a... You, you have a handful of these guys, but it is rare. And it, it takes a lot of work. Uh, as I know, Mark, you're well aware of this, what it takes for those guys and their efforts as they get older. And when I think of all three of those guys that you mentioned, Rick, uh, Vijay Singh is a notorious ball beater, right? He's the guy that says, well, why would I go play when I can hit balls for eight hours? <laughs> right. You know, he's in the gym. He's posted videos of his workout routines. He's working hard. Bernard Langer is 
arguably the hardest worker out on PGA Tour champions, if it's not VJ, right? He's right up there with them. And then Phil Mickelson, after he won the PGA Championship, he talked about the biggest difference is how he, he just has to work harder to keep up, whether it's nutrition, working harder in the gym, working harder on his golf game, playing 36 holes a day to work on his focus. As you start to get older, you got to go a little harder to keep up. And not everybody can do that. So it's a, it's a real pleasure for all of us when we see guys who are willing to put in that effort. And they certainly uh, reap the benefits. I'll tell you what, and I'm so on board with what you point out there. And, and something I noticed watching this afternoon was Bernard Langer. Look, he was the guy who was on the putting green prior to the event when no one else was even on site. Okay, He was there practicing putting already. And then... Late in the afternoon round, on like 14 or whatever, his uh, son makes a putt. Bernard hits a practice putt. Now, they're not necessarily in the event, but the events to win, they, they're jockeying for position. And yeah, the guy's hitting a practice putt still, and that speaks to just how hard he works. And, and to that, um, earlier this week, a friend of mine was out on the golf course in a practice round, and Mr. Player was out there. So they're chit-chatting, and somehow my, my name comes up. So they give me a phone call from the golf course. <laughs> and I saw the number ring up, and I'm like, Mike, and I go, yeah, no, Mark, it's Gary. Gary Player, how are you doing? And I was like, Mr. Player, my goodness, what are you doing with Mike's telephone? Anyway, so we just sort of talked for a while, and he said, you know what? I said, how are you feeling, Mr. Player? He goes, I'm feeling fantastic. He goes, in fact, I was thinking the other day that of the I, – I, I probably uh, arguably have hit the most balls of anyone in the history of the game. <laughs> he goes, I think of Ben Hogan, I think of Vijay Singh, and I think of myself. He goes, now Hogan got injured, so he didn't hit that many, obviously. He goes, VJ's hit a lot of balls, but I've got him by like 20 years and I'm still hitting balls. <laughs> he can catch up with me. And that just speaks to, it's a funny story, but it's so true. The desire with these guys maybe gets tempered some because of other things, family and work and commitments and stuff, but they're still golfers and, and, and the fire burns brightly with a lot of them. <laughs> You know, what our listeners probably don't know, they might know that if you say, you know, Beetlejuice three times, he Beetlejuice will appear. If you do a Gary Player impersonation, Kyle Porter will appear. KP, uh, welcome in, sir. Good to have did, you. Did he talk about <laughs> how, how many miles uh, he's he's flown? Not to me, but I'm sure he did. <laughs> Glo- globally. He, he, I think he, I think the quote one time was, I've flown more miles. I've flown more, more airplane miles. I've logged more airplane miles than anybody in the history of the world, which is, which is an incredible <laughs> <quote>. <laughs> It might also be true. Who knows? Uh, Iron, Iron Byron might hit as many golf balls as uh, Gary Player has, right? He, that's, that's the machine that just smacks him out there over Yeah, and over the robot. Again. The robot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That d- d- might be the only thing. Hi, hi, Kyle. Hey. Good to have you. Hi, Kyle. It's great to be here. Great World Cup. Great PNC. Oof. What a day. What What do you, yeah. what, I mean, you shoot 59 59 to win for the Sings, but if you would have shot 60 60, that only gets you into a playoff. Uh, you make three pars in a row at this event. You just, you just chalk up your chances as, as over. Well, it was crazy. I, I was thinking. I was actually thinking about that very thing on Saturday. I was watching, and as good as I think Tiger and Charlie made like nine twos or threes in a row, and they were still like three back of the lead. And you're like, what? I mean, what do you have to do here? It, it's it's kind of extraordinary. I mean, obviously, there's great a great player on every team, but to put up some of these scores is is pretty crazy considering, you know, these are not both 
pros. It's a, it's a pro and his kid or a pro and his parent or whatever. Uh, it, it, the, the scoring actually did it, it always does, but it did catch me off guard a little bit again this year. Uh, the Sings in at 26 under a tie for second, Craig, the dailies and the Thomases 24 under. So that's two shots back kind of, uh, making that segue into, into how good you have to be and how perfect you have to be. The dailies were probably the favorites here when they got through 13. Uh, that was, five birdies in a row from nine to 13, but they make par on 14. That's a par five. And that starts a par run that basically plays them out of this. You got to be basically perfect. Yeah. Par train, uh, killer, killer par train. (laughs) Uh, And they, uh, of course, uh, little John makes the Eagle at 18, which was really cool to see. He's, he's impressive. Mm -hmm. Um, He hit a lot of big shots when he needed to. He was in the anchor hole. Uh, and and it, dad left a couple openings where they needed him and he stepped up every time. And look, I mean, he's a division one, he's a division one golfer. You, you expect him to be uh, very capable of that, but it's, it's not an easy arena, not an easy environment. And the kid steps up. So I was very impressed with him and his game. Um, but it, the thing is with them, they just, they were too far ahead. And so you felt like even if they made birdie at 14 uh, or maybe sprinkled in another one on 15, 16 or 17, you just felt like they were going to get outpaced because they were they were too far ahead because they struggled on day one to a 61, uh, (laughs) which was (laughs) a little disappointing. But you're right. You just you you have to go on a run for two straight days and a, a streak of three, four pars in a row can really set you back, which we saw with the Thomases. We saw with the woods we saw with, uh, we saw with the dailies and, and it's enough to put you out of contention. Yeah. Out in six under 30 for the Thomases Mark, but it was, uh, the dreaded par six of them on the back nine. They only played their second nine, three under, they fall two shots short of the sinks. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't watch Saturday, um, and I, but I, I watched as much as possible today, and it sort of appeared to me that it was up to Justin Thomas to hit shots, and then his dad made a few putts of of some sort of consequence, and and that what it was was what it is. But when you're going up against a a, a young John and John Daly, or you know, even Tiger and Charlie to a certain extent, and then of course the Sings, where you've got a couple, both guys can really hit it. Both guys are long enough that par fives become drives and irons and stuff, and you got a few holes where you got wedges in there. Uh, some of the guys off the shorter tees, for argument's sakes, like Charlie Woods. You know, it, it becomes an unfair fight in a way. And so I felt like JT did all he could and dad came through with a number of putts. But, you know, that hole starts to look awfully small when it's a birdie fiesta <laughs> and, and you're leaving yourself 25, 30 feet all day long. So so they, they, they looked maybe a little lethargic to me, didn't have their best ball, ball striking stuff. But look, they've had a win here. You know, they've contended both times and I expect them to keep on doing it because I know dad, uh, Mike, is really into playing this event annually. The contrast, KP, between VJ Singh Bernard Longer and John Daly, who, if you believe the reports from the course, I believe got about 21 total minutes of practice time in uh, over two rounds, including zero minutes, zero balls hit on the range and uh, zero putts rolled before the Sunday final round, which did not stop them from shooting a 59. 
21. To, so it was, it was all 21 minutes on Saturday. Yeah, because he got his tea time. He screwed up his tea time and showed up late and uh, got to the range 21 minutes before the tea time. And then on Sunday, just said, ah, I'm good. I'll just go straight to the first tee. Well, it's a, it's a it's a Rory at Medina situation there <laughs> when he pulls up and just hammers Keegan Bradley after not not warming up. I wonder how many of the pros in this field were the the not the best player in their in their group. I, I don't think John Daly was the best player in his group, was he? John, I don't, what, I don't what, what does he so. want to be? John, John two or, or John the second? He can absolutely play. It's so good. Yeah, he he. I mean the 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 three he made on eighteen was was sick. And uh, I I actually thought I, I was wrong about this. You can go back and listen to it. I said that Charlie would be like. Uh, the the best. I basically said he'd be the best player in his group. He wasn't. Now some of that was because he was hurt. Some of his Tiger played oh, better than I I think I thought he would. But uh, yeah, the daily thing is I don't know. He's they're they're such great. And I, and I actually think you see this a lot in this event. They're such great characters. You got a lot of characters in this in this uh, in this tournament, and that's just something that we don't have. I think a ton of week to week in golf. We've got a lot of good players. I don't know if we have great characters and you get that with the Trevino's and the dailies and the tigers and people like that in, in a tournament like this. So I think that's always enjoyable. Team Harrington solo fourth three-way tie for fifth Kucher, Corda Langer, uh, we have not mentioned team woods yet. They're coming up first. We're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back. Tiger Woods, Charlie Woods, T8. That's a three-way tie with the O'Meara's and the Spieths, who uh, Sean Spieth played pretty well. Maybe we can talk about that. But uh, Greg, this this was kind of, uh, there's a lot to unravel here with, with Team Woods because we have seen Tiger clearly dealing with 
injuries for a long time, limping around a golf course. We were not necessarily expecting the same from Charlie this week, who was dealing with an ankle injury that you could see was really bothering him on Saturday. Uh, they went out and shot a 59. They kind of faded on Sunday. It was a, it was a 65 for the team, but both of these guys are just out there hobbling around, just trying to put the ball in the cup. Yeah, it's uh, it was too bad. I was definitely, I think we all were uh, kind of feeling feeling bad for Charlie. But it, I I was thinking about this as well. When you play most sports, to get through an injury, you can kind of grit your teeth and you know try harder, and it it can work. But to power through injury in the game of golf is so challenging to get around the golf course and play well. And it doesn't seem like it would be because it's a, it's a non-contact sport and it's, it's not a, um, it's not as physically demanding as playing football or basketball or something like that. But you have to be in so much control and you have to be ready for that moment when it's going to hurt. And it's such a quick moment, but such a sharp bit of pain and it can have an effect on you mentally and all that stuff. So it, it uh, was definitely bothering Charlie from time to time. But despite that, it's such a fun golf swing to watch. It just, it looks so simple for, a, it's so mature for a 13 year old, uh, not just his swing, but um, but his body, the way he's built, he's so it's so different than Tiger was at that age. Um, and he's not and not that I would compare the two in their resumes, but I just it, it's such a cool thing to watch Charlie advance the way he has because it's just continued to improve. And, and I think that's really cool. And look, kids get hurt all the time. It's something that happens and he'll get healthy and he'll be fine in no time. But um but yeah, it's a it, it's a really special and a rare thing to get to watch these two out there playing together. If if I if I may add here my take on this, because I've been fortunate to see a lot of really talented young players, including my younger brother. Um, and I don't want to say these kids come and go, but I just want to sort of advise fans and people like this to say, we, just like we have to with Tiger Woods and our expectations of him, we've got to pump the brakes on our Charlie expectations a little bit too because the world is going bananas. I mean, I actually joked with someone at the PGA Tour where on Twitter, they put a picture of the guy's divot pattern on the practice range. And I was like, we've collectively lost our minds if we're finding ourselves, if we're finding this entertaining. Now to Charlie, um, I mentioned it earlier how what a blessing it is to grow up with Tiger as a father or, or VJ as a dad, or you got a, uh, you know, my closest brush with some of that was, was Larry Myers. I taught his son, Robert for a long time. He also turned into a very good player, master's champion as a dad. And there, there, there's so many benefits from there. And then there's so many things that can be distractions. And, and the one thing I, I, I saw as I watched Charlie, how just like his dad, He's almost learned to be singular in his focus. And that was the most impressive thing to me because, look, golf swings come and go. You could see here, the, the I don't know what happened with his foot. Tiger said it was growing pains. But that physical element of it is so mercurial. But what you do between your eras is the most important thing in many respects. And you can see how Charlie has learned that from his dad, from his routines, pre and post shots, to the way he reacts to shots, um, to the way he prepares for tournaments. Um, it's, it's thoroughly professional. And for a 13-year-old, he's well above the tech from that point of view. And if he keeps on doing this, look, I think the future is very bright. But then you've also just got to kind of manage yourself and 
and do a good job of coming to grips with the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm Charlie Woods and I've got to deal with this more than anything else because the guy's got a fan base of biblical proportion already. And, and he's going to have to work very hard to sort of keep that into perspective some because this golf thing can knock you down pretty quickly. And, you know, when you've got the last name Woods, the spotlight shines pretty bright. And all of us have had the luxury of making all our failures in the dark somewhere, whereas, you know, from that point of view, you don't. So he's massively impressive to me. I'd love to watch him play a little bit in person. Um, but it's, I'm just struck with how well assembled he is mentally and, and how he plays the game, let alone his golf swing, which is really pretty. Uh, the worst part about this week, Kyle, is uh, everyone trying to figure out what a 13-year-old is going to be in a sport that is almost impossible to predict. I can tell you when I was 13, uh, the best athlete we had was head and shoulders better than everybody else. And by the time we were all 15, he stunk because he just happened to be the first one shaven. And there's a lot of stuff uh, that goes on uh, for these kids. And and to put t- – it it's always awkward to try to talk about this when it's Charlie, it's like, I don't know what he's going to be. Let the kid go out there and play golf. Yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't agree more with that. I, I, I think, I think this, I was talking to uh, my brother, my brother was in town this week. He was in, in Los Angeles. He's in sort of the, uh, not the film industry, but more in like that world. He's not in sports at all. And he was asking about, uh, cause we we're watching the, the event and he was asking if if being Tiger's son was an advantage in terms of like making it, right? And I I got to thinking about that. I thought it was an interesting question, and I got to thinking about that. And and it, it, I mean, of, of course, it, it's an advantage because you you've got Tiger living in your house, and like he can you know give you lessons and teach you stuff and like that can't not be an advantage but i think the beauty of golf and not to tie it too much to 2022 is that it's still maybe more than any other industry like it's it's just like whatever you shot is what you shot you don't get a you don't get an acting job or you don't get a job on the pga tour like you might an acting job because your dad is tom hanks or denzel washington or whatever right and I think that, um, I don't know, we just had a really interesting conversation about that. And it made me really appreciate the meritocratic nature of golf. And I think like whatever Charlie ends up being is going to be interesting and that's fine. We'll follow it. I think for this event, like specifically talking about this week and, and what it, what that means for the next few months, it's like, this is just, it's like, it needs to be self-contained. Like, let's just appreciate it for the time frame that it's in for these two days. Appreciate the fact that I think in a lot of ways, Charlie provides something for Tiger that nobody else could, which is uh, relational um, equivalence, right? The, the power dynamic between Tiger and everybody else is like, is like this is like very far apart. And it almost takes somebody that's in his own family to, to level that playing field and provide some, again, like relational equivalents that Tiger can't get anywhere else. And I think there's some, something beautiful about getting to watch that unfold. Uh, but as for what it means for, uh, five years from now, or even next week, I just don't have very much interest in that. Uh, and for the record, we've got some guys on the PGA tour and some pretty good ones who didn't even start playing golf until 
they were 13 or 14 or 15 or Sam Ryder, I think, was 16 when he started playing golf. That's, He's on the PGA crazy. Tour. That's crazy. Go ahead, Mark. Hey, the current commissioner of the Live Tour only started playing golf at age 21. Yeah. Just for the record. Yep. Yeah. A lot of different ways, uh, a lot of different ways to get it done. Let's talk about the big cat, Greg. I I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to get too excited. Don't do it. I know do that it. I know it was a scramble with his son at a resort in a cart in a golf cart. Don't, uh, don't do it. I'll, I'll, okay, I'm not going to do it, but I will say this. Tiger played better than I thought. I had very low expectations, but Tiger played better than I thought. Yes, I agree. He did play better than I thought as well. Uh, the cart is a big factor. I think the golf course is also a big factor. Um, that is... I mean, you got guys out there shooting back-to-back 59s, right? It, it's not, um, it, it doesn't have the demands of the golf courses that we're going to see Tiger play on the next time he plays, whether it's Augusta National, an event before that, any event on the PGA Tour, this golf course doesn't carry the same demands. Um, so there are a couple things that I worry about. One, obviously, the walk-in is a huge factor. I never thought I'd say that, but it, we've been saying it for two years now. It, it's a huge factor, likely the biggest factor of them all. Um, and then what that leads to is what can he do in his practice? What can he do in his preparation? Uh, and I, I still think there's some things uh, on and around the greens that need to be a lot sharper for him. Because, of course, with Charlie, there's no need to talk about expectations for the future. It's unfair to do that, in fact. But with Tiger, we have a very limited future. We all know that. And so we want to know what that future looks like. And to project into the future, there are a couple things he really has to improve in order to win number 83 which is the seemingly the most reachable yet biggest milestone left for him. Uh, and, and I think he's got to get a lot sharper around the greens, uh, which I think the walk-in really affects. So I, my, um, I, I was very happy with the way that he played. He had a lot of great shots. The speed is there for sure. Um, but but I, I, boy, I, I still think there's a long way to go to – um, to see Tiger contending in a, a PGA Tour event, let alone a major. I said this in last week's recap show. Um, in my experience, I feel like Tiger, you know, information free is probably the best analyzer of his own game of anybody I've ever seen. And he's got this wonderful ability to be pragmatic about what he does and then go home and go and work on that area and improve it. And I said last week, I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out this week looking a whole lot sharper than what he did when he played in the match, right? And he did. Uh, to me, the golf court, uh, the golf swing looked way more fluid. The speed was way more in the right place. And everyone was going crazy about the ball speed or the club speed, whatever it was in the match. I, I thought this week he was generating energy a whole lot more easily and not putting as much stress in his body, especially into the follow-through. So that was a positive. And he had some really nice shots. There was one a long iron of sort of a down-sloping lie where it looked like he squared it up but just aimed it too far right because he was trying to turn one. So there was a lot of really good stuff on the go. But to Greg's point, I mean, there were one or two pitch shots. There was one that was just downright sexy. I mean, it was a, a wedge from about 60 yards Oh, yeah. And look, the greens are softer than on the PGA Tour, and he nipped this thing off this tight lie like it was a razor. And it spun in there to kick in range, and I was like, this is nice. 
But then he's got this basic chip pitch shot from greenside off the fairway and leaves it 15 feet short. And that sort of stuff's got to catch up with one. So I'm keen to see, you know, where he starts going now with the short game because, you know, you can work on the golf swing, you can work on the strength, you can work on all that sort of stuff. But you've got to recover. And he said as much in the broadcast here in a recent event, I think it was the hero where it was like, you know, when I was at my best, I had 13 greens in regulation a day. That means I missed five. That means I've got to get them up and down five times. And I said that to Justin Thomas, that he's got to go and work on saving shots, recovering, knocking it down a 10 footer. That's where it is for Tiger. Um, and then of course, look, let's not beat around the bush. 72 holes. Uh, when when's he start? Tory Pines? That place is a brute. Okay, Rick, you walked around there, and you've yeah. got side hill lies everywhere. It's uh, I'm keen to see how the leg deals with that. Then you start to get into the West Coast swing where stuff is kind of cold and damp, and so so I'm keen to see how he comes out in 2023. Well, that that's he, is he going to play? He's not going to play. He's not going to play Tory Pines, is he? Well, Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Let's let's talk about this. That's 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 it's an elevated that's, event, huh? That's the next no, spot. It's not. Not okay. No. So let's talk about it. So game aside, forget about the game. T- Tiger month is over, right? We we the three times we were supposed to get Tiger in December, we got two. It's over. So now we're looking to 2023. We are 12 days away from him being 47 years old. We are 109 days away from the Masters. What happens between? Now and then, is it Tory? Is it an elevated event? Is it going into the Masters without compete? Like, what do we? Where could we even see him next? Yeah, I. He's not going to play in January, right? I don't think. I don't think so either. I think then it's then it's uh, Riviera. Which maybe is, which is mid mid February Riviera, yeah. His event, and, and then you got Bay Hill and the players, but they're back to back. There, yeah. He won't. I don't think he plays both of those. I, I I think he'll try to play one time before the Masters, and I don't know which of those it'll be. I don't know if it's players, Bay Hill, Riviera, but I'm guessing it's one of those three. Uh, should be Punta Cana. Two weeks before, try to get eighty three under. Get eighty three. That would yeah. be sweet. I mean, um, listen. I, I, th- I was Go gonna ahead. say real quick, Greg. I, I thought what Greg said <clears throat> was good, and uh, you know, I think about even this time last year. Remember, we hadn't seen him in forever, and he comes out and he's hitting all these like his ball speed was pretty good. He's hitting these crazy like cut drives, and you're like, oh, this is this is incredible. And then what what we get at like on the on the other side of that is a very um, kind of staggered year where it's like two steps forward, three steps back, a step forward, two steps, you know, like it, it just, I think that's just what it is. So I don't think, I, I almost don't even think it's worth putting any stock into like what he did this week because it doesn't really, I don't think it, it like translates linearly to the next 
even two months, you know? And, and so it's just hard to predict based on what he's even doing in the current moment, because I think there's so much volatility to that, to, to like his injuries that, that it's almost impossible to say, uh, how good he's going to be or even where he's going to play, because we would have all said in November, like, Oh, he's, he's going to play the hero world challenge. Right. And then even he thought he was, and then he didn't. So I just think all of that is going to be as hard as Tiger's been to predict over the last five years, it's going to get even harder in the future. And you have those little flare ups like plantar fasciitis that I don't think anybody could expect but you have uh, an area in your body that's deficient. And when you have imbalance like that, injuries pop up in other areas. Kyle's talked about this a lot. Don't forget about the back, right? You, you have yeah. uh, a back, you have a, a right leg that's extremely hampered. Uh, you got hips and knees and all kinds of areas that are affected from an injured leg. And so predicting where he's going to play comes down to predicting his health, which is impossible for any of us to do. So I do think it's a challenge, but I will say to your point, Kyle, of those three events, the Florida ones, the the players or Bay Hill certainly make the most sense to me. Um, Easy, easiest walks close to home for him. Uh, They, they make more sense than the Genesis, even though the Genesis is his event which is kind of the the kicker with that one. But yeah, I mean, if I'm Tiger, I'm trying to keep it flat because I think he needs time more than anything else to get ready for, uh, for the masters, which there's no place that can prepare you for the masters anyway. So take the strain off and play, uh, play somewhere flat if you're going to play at all. Yeah. And to that back, Greg, um, the, and the preparation, you know what it's like uh, practicing putting with a tender back and we've identified like a weakness in the game right now if there's weaknesses and never a good thing to describe a tiger woods deficiency but just a you know an infirmity right now uh practicing putting and chipping in that short stuff where you bent over a little bit more that'll wear you out physically Uh, and then and, and to the playing you know yeah the west coast swing is is a stretch I, th- I think Riviera, him teeing it up at, in L.A. would be awesome. But you also know with Tiger, he never goes to a place when he's not completely prepared. And he's always spoke about being well prepared for whatever he plays in. So as I look at, you know, Riviera, Torrey Pines, he's been successful, but Riviera, he hasn't really. Bay Hill has been wildly successful. The players, Tiger-wise, he hasn't really. You know, anyone else, he's had a wonderful career there. So, so, so I'm sort of thinking Bay Hill because it is a little closer to South Florida. And Jacksonville in March can get cold and blustery and not very pleasant. So uh, I'm I'm not sure where we will see him again. It's kind of an awkward schedule. You know, the elevated events are kind of in weird spots. The events that you think he could play are back to back, which we know he's not going to play. Though it's just kind of a really awkward spot. He might just wake up and say, "I'm feeling good this week," or "I'm feeling not." I don't know. It's going to be weird. Uh, Kyle, has he considered? Think about this. If it's just the walking. Instead of Joey LaCava, why doesn't he hire the world's strongest man? Like the coach? Or the coach. And that guy carries him between shots. <laughs> Have they yeah. considered this at all? Like hire hire Nick Bosa away from the 49ers just to carry him around the golf course? Right. That's like is there a rule that says you can't ca- the caddy can't carry the player? 
That would be sick. <laughs> that would be sick. Could you imagine? Instead, he's got a he's got a three shot lead walking up the 18th at Augusta National, and he's doing the wave over the shoulder of the coach or uh, the world's strongest man. It, it would take a little something out of the moment, but it would still be cool. Yeah, he <laughs> talk about normal sport. He, oh my gosh, I'd have to write like, I mean the the next edition would be nine thousand pages. It would be an unbelievable. I think uh, he honestly, I mean, we're laughing about it. He would probably prefer that to a cart. Like he is so right. He's so anti-cart principally against a cart. It's just, it's, it's kind of incredible. So uh, yeah, you should pitch that to him at, uh, at whatever event we're at next with him. Yeah. Well, I'll shoot just, him hey, hey, if you can, hey, do you know the coach? Have you, cons- have you thought about this? <laughs> hey, you of course he knows the coach. You can't hire a coach. I mean, can you imagine the verbal diarrhea that would be happening the entire time? Tiger's quite quiet on the He'd be too tired. Coach would be too tired to talk. <laughs> yeah, no, that would. You carry a Tiger Woods and a staff bag around? He's never too. Oh, tired. and the bag. <laughs> yeah. Somebody. I mean, you. I don't think you can have two caddies. You, you got to carry the bag and Tiger. Would you put the straps on Tiger so that you could put him on your back like you do the bag? Yeah. No, he, I think you put the straps. You got to go double strap, and Tiger kind of ride. Tiger puts his legs around that, kind of sits on it like a saddle. <laughs> okay. So you just put, a piggyback. You would get ride, like basically. you would get like a saddle from Hal Sutton and just throw it on the staff bag. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think we got this figured out. That would that would that would be something. Giddy up, giddy up. <laughs> um. Well, on that note, uh, is there anything else that we should talk about? Thinking thinking about next week, uh, we are putting the finishing touches. Uh, Kyle, this might perk your ears up. We're putting the finishing <laughs> touches on a on a trivia show at some point next week. So we're working out the details on that. And we'll probably have something else in the hopper so that um, everybody who's traveling for the holiday will have something to listen to, but we won't necessarily have to be here on Christmas Day. That's the magic of showbiz, you know, recording them early and then releasing them later in the week. Is after I win trivia next week, do I get two trophies on my name down there, or is it? No, is it's it, like it's like the green jacket. You only you just get the one. So it's not like when Fed puts like <laughs> six gold plates on his Wimbledon shoes, right? Okay. Who's the reigning one and done champ, and why doesn't he have a trophy next to his name? Uh, it's you. So we'll we'll okay. Uh, how about this? I think Kyle should get a second trophy, and we'll figure we'll figure out a one and done, uh, like a money bag for you there, Mark. I want I want the yellow jersey, like the Tour yeah. de France. Now the other thing is, remember we have we have someone who paid like thirty six hundred dollars to be in our one and done yeah. for next year. That uh, I'm sure Mark is not spending that money just to see your pretty face every week or just to send it all to to a good cause. They they want to be the champ. Mm-hmm. Are they going to be on the show? I believe we will probably have them on as like the first like intro. Hey, how's it going? Why did why did you spend all this money to do this? What were you thinking? Are you absolutely insane? Thank you right. so much. Um, that type of thing. And then I I think we'll just have them submit their picks uh, just as like the well the fans the fans choose from a form the person who won the auction to get in. Uh, can pick whoever they want. They can do it just like us. It would be amazing if we put that person on and they came in the waiting room and then it was just like a second camera on Mark. Like it was just him. <laughs> like get, from the side two spots. 
Hey, Kyle. Yeah. Kyle, Kyle, you know what's going to be good? We get to pick for whatever, eight months or whatever it is, from all of the players. We're not using players in the fall, unlike uh, the fans last year who were crowing the entire time. You're going to get to use all of those stars like more than one time, and and, and you've got a bigger plethora of golfers to go with because of that. It's going to be awesome. Probably not going to help me much, but it will be fun. Uh, Mark, you're, you're usually ahead of the... Do you, already have your, do you already have your Sony pick? Do you want to put your Sony pick in right now, Mark? <laughs> Wait, well, are we not doing... Yeah, entry. I guess Capola? we could do century. We could do tournament. Yeah, we'll do tournament champions. Are they going to let? No, um, no, no, I didn't thought about it. They're not letting him Remember play. Remember when I picked Stuart Sink? <laughs> or no, uh, who was it that I had I, to pick? I'm getting John Rahm early. Wow. Is he in? Yeah, he's in, right? Yeah, yeah. with the new rules. Yeah, you picked. Uh, was it Stuart? No, you, no, you didn't pick. You double picked, and we gave you somebody who was like 500. Uh, that sounds right. It, was it Stuart? Singh? I thought it was somebody that was worse than Stuart Singh. I thought it was, it was somebody who was way worse than Stuart Singh. It was very uh, like Robert Streb, maybe. No, <laughs> it was somebody. That, it was somebody that was older. Uh, I so Rory let this sort of slip at the match, maybe, where he said he was asked about his schedule, and he said he's not decided whether he's going to play Tournament of Champions. Did you guys hear this? Yes, I can try to find the quote. He said he's not decided on whether he's going to play tournament of champions. And he said something like, I, I'm going to basically just summarize because I don't remember the quote. He said something like, e- e- effectively, you're going to be allowed to m- miss one of the elevated events, which I had. And maybe that was out there. I had not heard that before. It, it's not surprising. I think that's probably what people would have suspected would be the case. But I, I just had not heard it before, which I thought was interesting. Uh, we will talk about that, but I also think that some of these guys are not going to play. I think there's going to be some, a little bit of wiggle room the way that I understand John, John Rob's not going to play all 20 of them or whatever there. And Jay Monahan's not going to say, sorry, John, you're no longer an elevated player. Uh, there's going to be a little wiggle room there. Uh, I got to get us out of here. So here's what I'm going to do. We've got trivia coming at some point next week. We'll put the details on that. We'll probably have a second episode as well. Big thanks to producer Troy does all the hard work behind the scenes. Mark Immelman available at Mark underscore Immelman, Greg Ducharme at the real GFD, Kyle Porter at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can find me at Rick run. Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. 